1: also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast, I'm Josh Clark, there's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, there's Jerry, and we wish all of you a happy International Women's Day. Yeah,
2: I'm just over here putting on my concealer, a little mascara, create some smoky eyes.
0: Very sexy. It's looking good, Chuck. Thank you. Looking good. Mm Mm-hmm. I wish I could unsee this. (laughs) Pretty good. Um... Yeah, did you know it's International Wednesday today? I did, uh, and well, today while we're recording, not actually today when this releases. Right, we're gonna miss it by a week or That's so. That's right. We're we're still gonna be celebrating it though. Right, exactly. Because we we let it roll, isn't that what you say when you let a party go long?
2: Oh, i never heard that. I just made it up. I don't go to parties.
0: Uh, I don't either. Apparently, because I don't know what to say when you want it to keep going. <laughs> so, Chuck, um, we are talking friend about makeup today.
2: <clears throat> sixty billion dollar cosmetic industry.
0: Yeah, it's a sixty two point five. And that's up from forty billion when this article that we're working off of was originally written. Which surprises me. Molly Edmonds in two thousand like seven or eight, maybe two thousand eight I think.
2: Yeah, I mean it surprises me in one way. One way it doesn't because big industries usually grow. Yeah, but, but that's, uh, a,
0: that's an enormous amount of growth.
2: Yeah, but it seems like, and we'll get to this later with some studies that makeup is among uh, the millennials is sort of falling out of fashion in some circles. Right, but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, cosmetics from the Greek, uh, cosmetique. Is that technique, right? Technique of dress or ornament, or cosmos meaning ornament.
0: I thought cosmos meant the universe.
2: K o s m o s. I don't know. That's Cosmo Kramer.
0: Gotcha. That's the the etymology. I had not heard that before. That was the Greeks, huh? That's what it says. The Greeks definitely did engage in ornamentation of their face through pigmentation, a.k.a. cosmetics, but they weren't the first. Supposedly, as far back as we found it, um, are the Egyptians. Sumeria before that even, I think. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I saw that men and women wore
2: lipstick and uh, Sumerian men and women did.
0: So this is pre-Egyptian then, because the Egyptians went back pretty far.
2: Yeah, well, I think there's some debate there about who was first, right?
0: Uh, apparently, we're debating it right now. I think I think Sumer was pre-Egyptian.
2: Okay. All right, I'm sure I'll get taken to task. If I'm
0: no, wrong. not necessarily. I think you're probably right, but um, at any rate, at least a, a few thousand years ago, yeah, there were people wearing. Lipstick and, uh, the, the Egyptians in particular were known for using coal. K-H-O-L. K-O-H-L. That's right. And that is basically like a, using a very dark, um, like eye shadow above and below the eye. It's yeah. a, it's very, think, um, uh, uh, what was the dude's name from Dead Calm? The Killer?
2: Billy, uh, Billy Zane?
0: Yeah. Think Billy Zane in, uh, The Mummy.
2: Yeah, basically any movie where they try to make white people look like Egyptians. Right. Which is a big, uh, thing now in the news.
0: It's a, it says who?
2: Whitewashing. Casting oh, yeah. white people to play Egyptians. Right. Like, you know, it's all over the place. Every, sure. every one of these stupid movies about, uh, these big hundred million dollar movies about Egypt are starring like British dudes.
0: Well, I was on Snopes yesterday and it, I found that there's a, apparently a rumor that, um, Cameron Diaz had been cast to play Maya Angelou in a biopic, and apparently people bought so. that. <laughs> How Seriously. <laughs> who, who saw that and was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And didn't automatically think, well, that's a hoax or a joke.
2: Well, there are some people upset that uh, Zoe... Uh, who, who is it from uh, Avatar?
0: Oh, uh, Zaldano? Yeah. Zaldano?
2: Is, is being... Um, Cause she's playing Nina Simone and like they darkened her skin and there are some people that are outraged by that even. Huh. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, so back to coal, uh, it was specifically a mixture of, uh, copper and lead and ash and burnt almonds that would mix up and smear on their eyes.
0: Yeah. And what's interesting is the, um, the, it would, it was supposedly kept away the evil eye, right? That was the main reason they wore it, in addition to just looking awesome. Yeah, the stink eye. Um, <laughs> yeah, just give me the stink eye. Doesn't matter because I'm wearing coal. That's right. But it, it also, and likely unbeknownst to the Egyptians at the time, um, it would have warded off bacteria Yeah. because of some of the ingredients, specifically lead. Or killed you. It, eventually, yeah. yeah. Um, and then it also uh, would have deflected the um, sunlight from the desert. Yeah. Makes so you're sense. all set.
2: Which is why, you know, ball players will put tar under their eyes, right, to keep that reflection down.
0: I don't know if that's tar. Well, it's, it's tar on
2: the baseball bat. It can be, uh it can be whatever. I'm sure they don't use real tar. <laughs> right. My dad back in the day for church softball used to go out and get it from his car tire. No. And put it under his eye. No. Yeah, I thought it was pretty tough. Wow. Yeah, that is tough. Um. It's dirty. You know, church softball, (laughs) the toughest sport. (laughs) Uh, Ancient Greeks and Romans also painted their faces uh, from ground up stones and minerals, uh, and things were Pretty much like that until the middle ages when people said, you know, I, I don't want my face colored up. I want it
0: white. Well, prior to that, prior to the middle, so early middle ages, the okay. early medieval era, that women, um, used hot tongs to curl their hair. They Ooh. dyed their hair. Uh-huh. They used vegetable pigments to, um, to redden their faces. Yeah. So there was makeup use in, in Europe, um, prior to the middle ages where you did, Use pigments to colorize yourself, right, in much the same way that, like, the Romans and Greeks would have.
2: Now, were these tawdry women? No. Okay. These were just average, ordinary women. So later on, it fell out of fashion unless you were, like, a prostitute.
0: Right, and the reason why it fell out of fashion was because um, of income inequality. So if you were a woman who was among the poorer classes... You were a laborer and you likely had to labor out of doors. And in doing so, you would gain a tan. Sure. So a way to show that you were wealthy and of higher status. Pale was and- to accentuate your paleness. Yeah. And they would use something called, um, oh man, what is it C- called? Cerus? Yeah, Ceruse. which is vinegar and lead. Yeah, lead is, it's going to come up a lot in this. Yeah, disturbingly. It still comes up sometimes. Yeah. We'll find out. Um, and that is the, that's the kind of, um, Grease paint, the cosmetic whitener that uh, women used for centuries, actually when very pale skin was in.
2: Yeah, and Elizabeth I came along and she's like, "Look how pasty white I am." Um, she's a perfect example of the ceruse use. Yeah, and she uh, there was a, there's a misnomer that she was bald uh, by the time she was like thirty, uh, mm-hmm. and that comes from the fact that she has a very large forehead in most of these portraits.
0: Yeah, this says it was from the use of the lead that it made her hair fall out. I've heard that they, that they plucked the hairline that far back on purpose.
2: Well, there's a few theories. One is that they plucked because they wore wigs and uh-huh. it, you know it would fit the wig would fit better. Sure. Uh, another is that they just exaggerated it in paintings because a big forehead, a high forehead, was supposedly tied to intelligence. So hot. No, it's smarts, which is hot. Gotcha. Sure uh and then the other theory is that the the lead you know made it creep
0: back so dumb,
2: but she was not bald, so uh, I've been fighting that fight for years. <laughs> Have you been the q e one wasn't bald
0: and then finally here in a- international women's day, you That's get right. to lay it down uh
2: this next part to me was super interesting for the dumb reason is that I didn't know a lot of these cosmetic companies were actually named for people. Yeah. Max Factor. Real guy. Was Maximilian... Von (laughs) Factor. Maximilian Factorowitz. Really? Yeah. And he shortened it to Max Factor for obvious reasons. Yeah. But I'm such a dummy. I thought it meant like the maximum... Max Power. ...factor or something you could have. (laughs) I got you. But Max Factor was a dude.
0: Sure, yeah, actually you'll find that a lot of cosmetics that you use today were founded by dudes. Estee Lauder was a lady. She was a lady and actually the founder of Maybelline was inspired by his sister, Mabel. Yeah. Pretty neat. But yeah, there's there's the the modern idea of cosmetics and the modern use of cosmetics in in that um the idea that you have to or else you are making a statement or not a beautiful woman. Um, all comes about around the end of the 19th century, early 20th century, and it really comes kicking in in about 1920 thanks to the cinema and specifically Max Factor himself, who originally provided wigs to the um, to the movies.
2: Yeah, and previous to that, uh, interestingly, the, the rise in makeup was tied to a couple of things. One, people getting their portrait, like their kind of singular portrait painted, uh-huh. yeah. so they wanted to look good for it. Uh, and then the fact that mirrors, uh, we did a great podcast on mirrors. Um, didn't we? Yes, Yes, we did. Many,
0: many moons ago. It was surprisingly difficult. It was. The physics of a mirror is really mind bending. Duh. So, uh, ate some lead. The uh,
2: affordability of mirrors all of a sudden was a thing. Right. So those two things, and then the movie industry comes along. Well,
0: and photography too. Did you say photography? Well, portrait. Portraitry. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which could be, I guess, painting and, uh, photography, right?
0: Yeah. So apparently, I guess you were just kind of figuring it out as you went along, maybe when you did your makeup for that one picture that was made of you. I guess. And then the movie, the movies came along. And when the movies came along, uh, you know, obviously it went from like stage to screen.
2: Yeah. Heavy makeup as a stage performer.
0: Right, because people had to be able to see you all the way in the back of the house. Yeah. So, and you, they you you had to accentuate your facial expressions. Yeah. But if you if you did that and did a close-up, you looked like a clown. A clown. So, they had to just basically reinvent makeup for the movies, and Max Factor was one of these people who were working to do that, and he said, "You know what? Stars love this stuff." Yeah. I've invented this grease paint that's a foundation that makes the skin look so even and beautiful that the starlets who wear it are wearing it not just for work. They're also wearing it out on the red carpet. Yeah. Uh, people are going to go crazy for this. And Max Factor started to market it and looked around and figured out what else he could invent. And he came up with the eyeliner and lip gloss as well.
2: Yeah. Uh, huge, huge breakthrough in makeup a tree. Right. Uh, a few years later, actually around the same time, um, 1915, uh, T.L. Williams started Maybelline after his sister Mabel, which we mentioned, uh, because she came up with a way to make her eyelashes look better. She took petroleum <laughs> jelly and coal dust and mashed it up together, painted it into her eyelashes, and said, this stuff is a bear to get out, but look at these lashes.
0: I can't see. <laughs> Maybe she's born with it.
2: Uh, and around the same time in the 1920s, uh, nail care really took a leap forward, courtesy, in a weird way, of Henry Ford. Yeah. In a roundabout way.
0: He had a very famous um uh slogan that people who bought his Model T could have it in any color they want, so long as they wanted black. Yeah. And the reason that he chose black was because black paint, the black lacquer paint that he used, dried faster than any of the other pigments. So... Black is what he went with. Because he wanted to pump out cars. Right. And he was doing a really good job pumping out cars. So to separate their companies from his, other guys started to look at how to come up with colors. Because colors were in demand. People did want colors. They just didn't have any options back yeah. then. So they started investing into research for new kinds of colors of fast-drying lacquer paints. And it actually ended up saying they they came up with some breakthroughs. And some people said, you know what? Forget the cars. Let's put this on fingernails.
2: Yeah, let's paint fingernails with this nitrocellulose, uh, in all kinds
0: of colors. A rainbow of colors. Have you ever seen <laughs> yellow fingernails? Well, you're about to. Ew. Yellow? Not yellowed. Oh. Yellow. That ED makes a huge difference. Well, no, I thought
2: yellow fingernails would look kind of.
0: They not look too cool. kicky in like a swatch commercial, you know?
2: Oh, okay. Uh, then Mr. Charles Revson. Sound familiar? Revlon. I guess Revson didn't sound he, as he good. He went
0: through Ellis Island or something. Uh, no, he co-founded it with somebody else.
2: Oh, okay. Juan Chaney. Juan <laughs> <Lon Chaney. laughs> Uh, he made nail polish super famous in the U.S. by, uh, combining, like, matching nail polish to lipstick and, like, putting a personality on it. Like, if you're a saucy lady, you might like this combo. Yeah,
0: it's actually a very well-known, um, advertising campaign called Fire and Ice. Yeah. And, like, on these Fire and Ice ads, um, there would be like a little questionnaire at the bottom of the ad, like, "Does gypsy music make you cry?" <laughs> or would uh, are you the Always. type of woman who would dye her hair without your husband's consent? You better be. Um, and if you answered yes, Ellis, then yep, you need this um this type of lipstick with the matching nail polish. You know, uh-huh. It was a big deal, but Revlon was not the only game in town with lipstick, and it actually kicked off the lipstick wars. The famous lipstick wars. Yeah, there was a the another, 1950s. there was a company called um, Hazel Bishop, and Hazel Bishop was an actual chemist who was making lipstick for women. Yeah, and she had some good stuff. She she came up with what's called indelible lipstick. I think it had been around, but she really like made some good formulations of indelible, a.k.a. smudge-proof lipstick.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could you could do a little kissy face, right, and not have it look uh, cruddy.
0: Sure, and so. Bishop and Revlon are going at it back and forth. Cody, which had that very famous fragrance in the 70s. Who? Cody COTY. Oh, yeah. Um they came into the mix too. And their big role that they played was they told Playtex, which had apparently a trademark on the word living, that Revlon, what? yeah, that Revlon had a lipstick line called Living Lipstick. Uh-huh. Playtex sued him, and Revlon had to abandon their entire line wow. of this type of indelible lipstick. The whole thing ended, though, with Revlon coming out on top because Revlon decided to sink a pretty decent amount of money into advertising on this new TV show called The $64,000 Question. Big show. And Charles Revson thought this movie or this show was going to be crap, apparently, his word. And um, it turned out to be, like, just the hottest thing on TV, wow. and Revlon was the only sponsor. And that's ultimately what ended the lipstick wars of the 1950s. So is
2: Hazel. Hazel oh, I thought it was a single gunshot to the head of Hazel Bishop, <laughs> <laughs> which isn't funny at all, but somehow, it didn't happen. Somehow it was. Fun. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, Estee Lauder comes along with her husband, Joseph Lauder, and they were great. She specifically was a great marketer. She was the first person to go set up shop in uh, department stores and say, here, have some stuff for free. People went, what? Yeah. Like, go use this stuff. And that's how I'll, I'll get you hooked on my <laughs> Clinique line. First
0: one's on me, rest are on you.
2: Yeah. And that's, you know, you go to any department store today and wander through the cosmetics.
0: Oh, and yeah. They'll be, give you whatever you want for free. Yeah, you can walk out there looking
2: like Bozo the Clown if you want.
0: So, um, Estee Lauder's big thing was skin care, right? S- like skin? Sure. I mean, belief. a lot of, lot of other stuff too, but yeah. Um, And so, the the the, the by the 1950s... 1960s the cosmetics industry was established yeah it wasn't going anywhere big money it was going to do nothing but build up and up and up right and the thing is is a a by about this time uh, the ingredients had all been kind of established and so nowadays if you look at uh, makeup you're going to see basically the same stuff we'll talk about all that right after this break how about that sounds great
2: as important as choosing the right destination when traveling, is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Jean! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was born.
2: Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with.
1: So you ride the books, Gene, and vlastar on the business.
2: Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: So Chuck, if you you take a tube of lipstick and you crack it off, and you take another (laughs) tube of lipstick from another company and crack it off, and then throw it through a uh, mass spectrometer, you're going to mm. find the same stuff in there, in both of them, basically.
2: Yeah, in most uh, cosmetics, it's largely the same ingredients. Um, who
0: wrote this? Molly Edmonds, uh-huh. our uh, our former colleague? Mm-hmm. Original co-host of uh, Stuff Mom Never Told You? That's right. Molly, if you're listening, she's not listening.
2: <laughs> Hello. Uh, foundation um, is usually got uh, some uh, moisturizing base with some oil and water or, or wax. Right. Uh, you're going to have a filler um, that's going to make things smooth on your face. Uh, then you're going to have some pigment uh, like iron oxide, and that's going to, you know, you want to match your skin tone. So that's why they have all different varieties of pigment of uh moisturizing base
0: right that's with like what well, yeah with foundation right yeah um and then they'll add some other stuff here there like if you have dry skin you might find some jojoba oil in the mass spectro spectrometer yeah uh analysis readout printout sure um and then uh so eyeliners Eyeliner also, and guy liner. sure which is the same thing it's just used by different people right yeah um yeah like the hollywood vampires they use guy liner. yes um Eyeliners uh, have, they consist of something called film formers and thickeners, right? Yes. And then pigments on addition to that. So the film former is the actual makeup itself that contains the pigment. Again, usually some sort of iron oxide, right? Yeah. Th- those come up a lot. Yeah. Um, which is funny because I think that that's also what they used originally, like back in the day in Egypt. Oh. So. We've come a long way chemistry-wise, but we're still using the same raw materials in a lot of cases. Yeah, these minerals. Yeah. Um, and then you also have the uh, the thickener, which basically keeps that eyeliner on your eye and not just going off um, to the side.
2: Yeah, and the same is basically true for eye shadow. Uh, it's going to have that base ingredient, maybe talc or cowlin uh, clay. Cowlin?
0: Like Shaolin. Yeah. But with a K instead of an S-H.
2: Shaolin <laughs> clay. Uh, and then a binder, of course, made out of uh, zinc or magnesium, uh, some sort of derivative of magnesium. Uh, mascara, I mean, basically, we, we're we not going to go through all these. Oh, No. It's all basically the same stuff. I yeah, think so, what we're so
0: you at. have a pigment, you have something that creates the base of the whole thing, Yeah. whether it's some sort of wax or powder or cream, and then you have some sort of binder that keeps the thing in place right. and makes it difficult to come off. And with mascara in partic- particular, um, it's very famous for um, having a waterproof version.
2: Yeah, so you cry at your wedding and uh, it, you don't look like a scary prom night girl.
0: Sure, right. <laughs> so... um with mascara being waterproof, apparently the the as long as it doesn't have water in it, it's likely going to be waterproof. Yeah, because that'd be terribly ironic if it, it included water as an ingredient.
2: Yeah, but apparently those are really tough for to get off, so you don't want to wear a
0: lot. Yeah, and you want to take them off though, or else your lashes will fall out. Supposedly, a yeah, of, you, a lot of conjecture. You want to take
2: off that. your makeup every night, they say. Right for for quality skin. That's what Stevie Nick said her secret was.
0: I've heard that. I think I said that before on this I very think so show, too. which is weird. So, um, well, let's talk makeup safety, Chuck. That's actually a step in makeup safety.
2: Yeah, this is a huge deal right now. Um because the standards for makeup safety have not changed since 1938.
0: No, and in 1938, the Food and Drug Administration was created, and when it was created, the cosmetics industry apparently did a really good job of lobbying the government to say, hey, hey, hey. Imagine that. Go regulate the food and the drugs. Sure, we'll fall under your cute little umbrella, but just stay out of our business. We're going to self-regulate. And since, seriously, guys, it's 2016. Since 1938, the laws governing the regulation of cosmetics have not effectively changed in any real way, shape, or form.
2: Yes, but that could be changing very soon. Uh, this article from just this week, here in March 2016, uh, there is the Personal Care Product Safety Act, uh, up, Bill S-1014, introduced last April, and is awaiting hearings, uh, introduced by uh, Diane Feinstein of California and uh, Susan Collins of Maine. It's a bipartisan bill. Basically saying... Hey, in Europe, in the EU, they've banned 1,300, uh, chemicals. Right. From personal care products for a real good reason. And we have only banned 11. And well, something tech- is wrong there.
0: Banned, banned eight, I think, and restricted three.
2: Yeah. I think they're, they're all technically on the banned list now.
0: And so, like, we're, we're using these same chemicals that are banned in the EU because they're not banned here. And the reason they're not banned is there's a huge distinction between Europe and the United States as far as chemicals are concerned. Yeah. In Europe, the approach is a chemical is potentially harmful until it's proven otherwise. Right? And they treat them like that. And when they find out, they investigate these things. And when they find out that they are harmful, then they ban them. In the United States – A chemical is determined to be not harmful until it's proven otherwise, and it's exceedingly difficult to prove that something is actually harmful. Like We've been talking about things like parabens and phthalates for a very long time now, many, many years, and um, public sentiment blows up, and the science behind it blows up, and everyone says, well, you can't point to a paraben and say conclusively that right. it caused that tumor, despite the fact that when you dig around in that tumor, you're going to find parabens, Right? or you can't say that uh, parabens are harmful to kids, even though you can find parabens in placenta, because it, it crossed over into yeah. the placenta, which means that it's being transferred from mother to child. Yes, you can't conclusively say that parabens cause cancer, but the evidence uh, uh, in support of that idea is so abundant that we really should be regulating these things. Still not.
2: Yeah, there's a woman named uh, Jessica Asaf who's been uh, battling this. She's on a crusade for the past 10 years to get more oversight. And... Um, she's she basically i mean the name of his article is the average woman puts five hundred and fifteen synthetic chemicals on her body every day without knowing, and sixty percent of that is absorbed into the body. People make a big deal these days about what you eat, and people don't think a lot about what they put on their skin, the largest organ, yeah, and that comes that gets into your body as well
0: apparently, there's a a two thousand seven study um I didn't see who he was affiliated with, but a biochemist studied cosmetics and found that women absorb. Just under five pounds of chemicals a year through their cosmetics. Unbelievable. Yeah, that's unbelievable. And this stuff in the United States is basically unregulated. Well, yeah, and her
2: contention is, which is correct, is basically we're all guinea pigs. What you do in the U.S. is you can use these cosmetics until something bad happens, and then they take a look at it, and they're responsible for self-reporting this stuff.
0: Right, but they don't have to self-report it. That's one of the big distinctions of Feinstein's and Collins' bill is that it will require – the FDA or that it would require cosmetic companies to report incidents of, of death, disfigurement or hospitalization. Right. So right now you could put on some, some lipstick yeah. and like end up in the hospital. And the Revlon could come and, and look into it and find like, oh God, it's because of this lipstick. They don't have to say a word about it legally. Right. And nothing happens to them because yeah. the FDA doesn't have any kind of teeth in this, in this, um, in this industry.
2: Well, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Johnson and Johnson was ordered to pay $72 million, uh, in damages for the death of a woman from ovarian cancer, uh, that was caused by using talc and baby powder. Um, so. What the, what the proposed bill would do, a few things. One, it's going to require companies to report any, uh, adverse health effects within 15 days. Uh, and then there, are, they would review five, uh, risky product ingredients per year and ban them based on the findings. And this year, up for review, uh, it would be, uh, diazolinadenyl urea. Nice. Uh, preservative found in lip balm, deodorant, uh, uh, may release formaldehyde uh, lead acetate it's in hair dyes uh, linked to neurological problems uh, formaldehyde methylene glycol uh carcinogen in hair straighteners uh, including brazilian blowouts it said <laughs> <laughs> which you know is a problem for me uh propylparaben a cosmetics preservative uh-huh. and finally uh quater quaternium 15 it's another preservative and um My wife, to new listeners may not know this, my wife Emily has her own natural body product company Mm -hmm. and she has been up against this since she started because the FDA doesn't regulate using things like words like all natural or organic. So she has competitors out there selling soap and lotion that says all natural and you know, she's always saying, look at the ingredients on this. Right. Like you can't even pronounce half of them. Yeah. So she's having to self educate customers like on a daily basis. On what all natural really means. Like, don't don't even use fragrance oils. uh, Like, this is really all natural. So she's been up against it for years. Right. So this is something, like, that's very close to her heart. Oh, sure. And you can go to loveyourmama.com. There it is. If you want to uh, support Mama Bed and Buddy.
0: With all natural ingredients.
2: Yeah, you were just sitting there like, wait for it. Yeah. Wait for oh, it. Yeah. But it is a big deal in our family oh, because we don't, yeah. you know, I think I went off on fragrances and maybe the smell podcast.
0: No, we did one on on perfumes. Oh yeah, perfumes. That was a good one too.
2: And it's just we we don't use any of that stuff anymore, and it really stands out now. Like if I smell a T-shirt that's been washed and like tied, huh. it stinks to me.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you
2: mean. Like you know, like it just smells fake, synthetic. Yeah. But most people love that. A will squirt a little Febreze on the clothes. Sure. Ugh.
0: Um. But you 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 get used to it, I guess. And if you stand away from it for a while when you're exposed to it again. Yeah. It does seem cloying for sure.
2: But here's the deal, though. With small businesses, um, they sort of have mixed reactions to this bill because, on the one hand, it would help them out because the big corporate giants that use all the synthetic chemicals will have to be uh, under the pressure to, like, you know, they don't even have to say where they make this stuff now. Right. Um, but small businesses, it might hurt them because they're going to have to comply with all this stuff. Which takes a lot of time and resources, sure. and AKA money. Right. So it's sort of a double-edged sword. Is that what they call it? Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I mean, I, I the the thing is, is what the Collins Feinstein bill reflects is taking the onus of cosmetic safety from the individual user onto the manufacturer. Yeah. Which is the reverse of what it is now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like right now. Make cosmetic safety tips include don't stab yourself in the eye with a mascara wand. Right. Um, because it might allow bacteria to seep into your cornea and you'll lose your eye or something like that. Right. Um, rather than don't use this mascara because it contains known carcinogens. Right. That we know are now carcinogens because the FDA finally got around to actually studying chemicals to find out whether they're harmful or not.
2: Yeah, we should do a show on whether cancer is a man-made disease. There's a lot of speculation now. Oh, yeah. Some people think that like, there did not used to be cancer. Yeah. And it's all because of stuff we've created. In sure. Uh, and even if you don't believe that, it, at the very least, we have ramped it up.
0: Yes. You know? Yeah. I definitely would agree with that. I don't know enough about it to say either way, and I'd love to get schooled from both sides. So, yeah, let's Agreed. do that. Uh. Is it time for another break? I think it is time for a break, man. We're pretty worked up about this whole FDA thing.
2: I know. All right, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about uh, the psychology of wearing makeup, which is pretty interesting.
0: And if you um, are into natural stuff, all natural ingredients, that kind of thing, there's actually like lines of makeup, too, that you can uh, look into that don't contain a lot of like added stuff. Yes. So like um, it's called mineral makeup for the most part, which is just like naturally occurring minerals that are ground up. Um, and there you go. No fragrances, that kind of stuff. And they're supposedly better for you. They don't last as well, apparently. But yeah. That's, you know, it's like, do you want the chemistry or do you want the... Shelf life. Right.
2: Well, that's another thing Emily Battles is shelf life. She oh, needs yeah, preserved. I'm sure that's something to deal with. And she doesn't make cosmetics either, to be fair. Um, you know, soap and lotion and stuff like that. that Yardstick
0: that of civilization.
2: Doesn't count as a cosmetic, though. Uh, some states are are taking it into their own hands, uh, notably California, of yeah. course. Uh, they passed in 2005 the Safe Cosmetics Act. Which uh, requires uh, manufacturers to disclose ingredients uh, that are on a watch list as being dangerous.
0: Yeah, yeah, they they do that with not just cosmetics. With Everything. like, you could buy a frying pan, and it'll be like this frying pan contains something yeah. that we're not going to say that is known to cause ca- cancer in humans. It's like what? Which part?
2: Like a Teflon pan or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, man, I got good cookware for Christmas. Oh yeah, yeah. What brand? All clad.
0: Oh yeah, All-Clad's the way to go. It's I took, good stuff. I
2: pulled all my Christmas money. Yep, smart. And threw in a little and uh it makes a huge difference in like how much I enjoy cooking now.
0: Yeah, and I mean like you can very easily say All-Clad's too expensive. No, All-Clad is an investment. And yeah. If you take care of your All-Clad stuff, Pan you're going to have it for the rest <laughs> of your life yeah. rather than having to buy new ones every few years. Agreed. All-Clad.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, man, maybe maybe they'll send us something. Yeah. So we promised before the break about uh to talk about the psychology of makeup. Which break? <laughs> Just the one we did. Okay. Um and I think it's super interesting uh when you look at like beauty and the ideal of physical beauty and where that comes from. And how it changes too. And how I it mean changes like you look at Elizabeth
0: the first and you're like, Yeah. Ooh, you think?
2: Yeah. High forehead and like I oh, love it, man. She's a hot mama.
0: Snow white tan? <laughs> I'm not that's a... Uh, well hey. I'm sure someone out there is like, "You're crazy." Yeah, Elizabeth the First was hot, but th- that's another very big point too. Is is there a universal ideal beauty?
2: Well, scientists have looked at it, uh, and one thing they've come up with that's been pretty universally accepted is that symmetry is a very important thing. Sure. Uh, I saw a special one time on PBS when they took supposedly the most beautiful people in the world and split them down the middle and and measure them out, and they are usually pretty symmetrical.
0: I saw one site that suggested that faces follow the golden ratio, like perfectly beautiful symmetrical faces follow that golden ratio It oh, really? supposedly pops up in nature all the time. Interesting. We should do one on the golden ratio. Totally. Okay.
2: So here's the deal, though. Uh, growing up, we did uh, episodes on male and female puberty. Mm-hmm. Uh, little boys and little girls have kind of similar faces until they reach puberty. Right. And then that's when things start happening um, to distinguish us. Uh, in general, a guy's nose will be bigger, uh, more prominent brow and forehead. uh woman might have uh, plumper lips and higher cheekbones. Right. And this is how we change, generally speaking, into men and women.
0: Right. So so one of the theories behind why women wear makeup is because they're trying to hyper-accentuate their naturally um, – Distinguishing features that yeah, make feminine them. Feminine traits. Right, exactly. Um, so like making the eyes bigger, accentuating the eyes with like eyeshadow and eyeliner and yeah. mascara, making the lashes longer, um, plumping the, the lips, right? Which supposedly I've always heard and I found it elsewhere in another House stuff Forks article about lipstick itself. Yeah. That there's a theory that that emulates a vagina that like the oh, really? lips, applying lips and lipstick and lip gloss and all that emulates a vagina so there's like a psychology behind that as well huh. and the whole point is here is uh, is the idea behind makeup then is a woman showing off her fitness for mating to yeah. men
2: basically which makes sense uh, evolutionarily speaking
0: that's the predominant theory behind makeup that's right which i mean if you go Talk to Max Factor. They're probably not going to say that. It's all about beauty, but ultimately, it's supposedly it's it's a, intending to set off certain evolutionary cues right. in men who are seeking a mate.
2: Right. Uh, a youthful appearance again is usually looked <sighs> at as more attractive, probably because reproductive uh, you're able to reproduce right. as a younger person easily. That's right. Or more easily. Um, so allegedly, then, uh, second wave feminism, uh, comes along in the 60s and 70s, and that's when women were like, you know what, take your bra off, grow that armpit hair out, sure. and quit painting your face so other men, sisters, so, so men think you look good. Right. That's second, like, fix yourself with makeup.
0: That's second wave feminism. And it was very much, um, hip to the idea of what was really behind makeup that theory that it's all about attracting or sexualizing yourself in order for men to find you more attractive. And they were saying, forget that. Forget men. Stop wearing makeup, sister. Yeah, you look good as yourself. We got to do one on feminism, too. Oh, totally. And um, the thing is, it didn't take off. Like, as sensible as that that idea was and timely as it was, you know, um, it didn't take off like a rocket. Because a lot of women were like, yeah, that's a good. Get- Mm, no, I don't want to do that. I want to wear makeup, well, yeah, and a lot of women are like, you know
2: feminism is about me having a choice. That's third way to, to do fem- what feminism. I want to do, yeah, right, yeah, like, which is like I want to wear makeup. it's art to me it uh, I like the way I look right it's I like applying it um and I'm not doing it for a man I like uh, I like making myself look this way.
0: there's also there's um there's a a, a similar school of thought is like, yeah, I'm wearing lipstick to drive men crazy, and that gives me power sure that's a, in and of itself a type of feminism as well so um the idea that a woman should have a choice whether she wears makeup or not and, and not be viewed as um being a harlot yeah or as being a turncoat to her gender is is i think the basis of like this third wave fem- feminism that it's like yeah have, wear makeup if you want don't wear it if you don't want but yeah don't don't force your beliefs on on other people. Does right. there's a special place in hell for women who wear makeup? Right.
2: Uh and then of course younger uh, girls like when should you start wearing makeup? Like
0: Well this is a this is a in to me an entirely separate uh um conversation.
2: Oh, absolutely, but does you know, does it sexualize a young girl by wearing makeup too young? And just <laughs> physically speaking if this stuff is dangerous uh in a carcinog- carcinogenic carcinogenic Way. Right. Like, what does it do to the skin of like a 12 year old?
0: Yeah. And, and not to pick on phthalates, although they definitely, definitely deserve to be picked on along with parabens. If you look at the medical literature about whether they're potentially harmful or not, they seem to have the most toxicity in pregnant women Uh and in uh, younger people. Well, there you have it. So, yes, if you are using makeup as a younger girl, then you potentially are being exposed to things like endocrine disruptors um that could be even more harmful because your body's still developing so yeah. they're gonna have more of an effect on you. Yeah. Um so yeah, there's a there's a number of reasons to say maybe wait. Uh men But hey, that's your choice. Yeah. Agreed. Unless your parents say no. Then no. yeah.
2: <laughs> it's a whole other issue, isn't it? I can't wait to face all those things. Uh, so let's talk about men and makeup <laughs> yeah, really. a little bit. Um, well, there's a, a couple of different uh, categories of men with makeup. Men wearing makeup. Um, you and I had a TV show.
0: Oh, man, I wore so much makeup. I didn't wear any makeup. I know, and Chuck, I wish I could go back and have just <laughs> been like, I'm a Chuck.
2: And here's the deal. I didn't... Uh, I didn't not wear makeup because I thought it was girly or anything. I didn't wear makeup because I sweat like a beast. Our stage was hot as Hades.
0: And the thing is, you look totally fine,
1: even in
2: HD. I've seen you. I appreciate it. Uh, But makeup doesn't... You know, I remember our makeup artist being like, well, this will help with the sweat. And I'm like, you don't understand.
0: You had a hand fan, do you remember? Oh, yeah. They had it like, right right when a take ended, somebody put, yeah, fanny, that's right, in Chuck's hand.
2: Yeah, um... Makeup won't. There are some scenes, though, where I look. I remember used to stop and be like, guys, like, look at Chuck. He's got sweat pouring down (laughs) his head. Like, we can't shoot.
0: (laughs) I remember that, too.
2: But you were right. There's some scenes where I look very glossy, but there are many scenes where you look orange. Right. So I just, I just didn't like it. I didn't like the, I didn't want the chemicals on my face. Right. I didn't like the way it it stung my eyes because I sweat. Yeah. And it, it just was like, no. It wasn't
0: fun to take off at the end of the day. No.
2: Um, so anyway, that's my makeup story. Um, my friend, I'm not going to say his name, you know him. He was a personal driver for Burt Reynolds on a movie here in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. And I was like, what does Burt Reynolds look like without his makeup? Uh-huh. He went, what do you mean? He's like, he puts it on in his room. Oh, yeah. That morning. So he, you don't know what Burt Reynolds looks like without makeup. (laughs) Right. And it was caked on.
0: Right. Burt Reynolds and Tim Kazarinski are actually the same person.
2: (laughs) Uh, the other aspect of men in makeup is whether or not men, well, A, if they should have any say in whether or not women wear makeup, but but whether or not men men like it.
0: Men have long tried to have a say in whether women wore makeup. And a lot of it, sadly, is like bullying. Yeah, or, or, uh, Accusations of fraud. Or witchcraft,
2: sorcery. 1770, British Parliament had a law that said if you wear makeup, they it was akin to witchcraft. They said basically you have a false face, so you can get an annulment, gentlemen, once you wake up after your wedding night and your wife doesn't have makeup on and you're frightened by her appearance. You can get an annulment (laughs) because she tricked you with thinking that she was pretty with all her makeup. That's exactly right. Unbelievable.
0: Yeah. And who was it, the poet Marshall? The yeah. The Roman poet Marshall? Um, he wrote to a woman, apparently, who wore makeup and said, You are but a composition of lies. No man can say, I love you, for you are not what he loves, and no one loves what you are. What yeah. a mean poem to write. Yeah. It's like, just shut up. Keep it to yourself. If you have preference for a lady who doesn't wear makeup. Fine. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like today on the internet. Yeah. Where somebody's like, I don't like that TV show. They these guys have to hear about it. Yeah. It's like, no, just move along. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of makeup, but I, I don't
2: care. Like it's it's your choice. Emily doesn't wear makeup because mm-hmm. she's lazy. <laughs> I'm sure she'll love that. No, she'll she'll be the first one to admit it. Okay. Every now and then she'll she'll doll herself up a very little bit.
0: When I'm coming over, yeah. He's like, Josh is coming. Let me get out <laughs> let the smoky get... eyes. Right,
2: like, hey, I he, I know it
0: drives him crazy when you wear it, Chuck.
2: But when she does, I'm I was always like, well, you look a, like a different version of my wife. Sure. I'm not like ooh,
0: but also just like
2: the way she looks normal, you know.
0: Yeah, well yeah. There's definitely something to be said about how a, a, a woman looks without makeup. Like that. Yumi wears much makeup, does she? No, not much at all. No. She frequently goes without it too. Yeah. Um and I understand that there's like that that's not to ignore. There's a whole group of women out there around the world who are like, "No, you wear makeup. Yeah, you put your face on." Exactly. That's, yeah. that's frequently what it's called. And and they just can't imagine not wearing makeup. Yeah. Fine. Bully for you. Do what you want to do. Um, it does seem like there's a, a big conversation that you can start up anytime if you want, especially on Slate where, yeah. you know, are those women, um, you know, selling out the, the, the feminist movement still or that kind of thing. But, uh, yeah, I tend to agree with the idea of choice.
2: Yeah, there's a big uh, movement now among some of the celebrity uh, some celebrity women that's like, now, I want to be on the cover of this magazine without makeup. Like, I want to show my true self because we're, I'm tired of this ideal that, uh, we've created in, in culture and pop culture that we have to look a certain way. And, um, one, one of the things I, I hate a lot of things about the internet, <laughs> but I think one of my things I hate worst is look how ugly these celebrities look. Oh, yeah. When they're grocery shopping. Right. Look at this lady without her makeup on. Right. Like or, I know it's just awful, man.
0: Or there was this movement called the uh, hashtag no makeup selfies. Yeah. That went around Twitter uh recently, last year maybe I think, and they raised something like um ten, twelve million dollars for cancer research. That's great. It's general cancer research. Sure, that is great. But it was like daring. Yeah. It was a, like it was a daring bold move to to release a photo of yourself right. publicly without wearing makeup which still suggests that it is basically a social expectation or a social requirement. Yeah. People expect you generally to wear makeup then and to, to not wear it is like a bold act that yeah. one's willing to sacrifice oneself for in the name of generating money for cancer research.
2: Yeah, and all in the name in general of of Submitting to the whims of what a man finds attractive. Yeah. That's kind of at the base of it all.
0: Yeah. But again, I don't think you can discount the idea that women themselves find frequently find themselves sure. more attractive when they have makeup on. Yeah. You know, and th- there's no reason to discount that. Oh, man. All right. Let's take the uh, wops, wasp's nests <laughs> off of our arms. No, I thought this was very fair. I it's thought it was
2: pretty. Our good. old uh, trusty saying, to each their own.
0: Yeah, which we uh, frequently adopt and then abandon depending on the topic. That's exactly right. Uh, if you want to know more about makeup, you can go to, um, I don't know, a department store. Did you know the stuff in department stores are called prestige cosmetics? No. That's what they're called.
2: What, you mean just the stuff they sell?
0: Yeah, like the good stuff. They oh, don't okay. call it like high-end or they call it prestige cosmetics. Yeah, man, it is expensive. Oh, we didn't talk. Did you see some of the weird stuff that they put in? In, uh, cosmetics? Yeah, you wanna run through them real quick? There's just a couple that stuck out to me, like Rogue Kill. Alright, fill me in. So, tallow, you, as, like, you render animal fat and you come up with tallow, and tallow is used in a lot of different moisturizers, shampoos, that kind of stuff. And apparently, it is legal to source your, um, animal fat from everything from zoos to Rogue Kill. Yeah. And this stuff ends up in cosmetics. Weird. It is a little weird.
2: Uh, Here's one. Um, The TNS Recovery Complex by Skin Medica. Mm -hmm. Infant foreskin. This is one of Oprah's favorite things. And I looked into it because it's a big anti-aging product. And I thought, they're not using infant foreskin. Uh, (laughs) And they aren't. Oh, okay. In a way. What they did was... Uh, 20 years ago, uh, they used cells from a single foreskin oh, gotcha. grown in a lab that they still use that oh, same good. thing now. But people act like they're like taking foreskin and grinding it up. Right. And Oprah's
0: like, look under your chairs. <laughs> <laughs> There's a foreskin <laughs> under there. Uh, this one sounds kind of gross at first, but then when you look into it, it's awesome. Snail ooze. Yeah. So snail ooze. They use in uh, moisturizers, and I, I imagine prestige moisturizers, because it contains glycolic acid and elastin. And the reason that it contains it is because the snail needs to heal its own cuts and bruises and stuff like that. And apparently, it works in human skin as well. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. And uh, lanolin.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you're a vegan, you're probably not using a lot of these products because everything from lanolin to crushed beetles uh, go into. Uh, a lot of cosmetics, right? And so uh, the vegans are like, "I don't want animals in my products."
0: Well, lanolin is squeezings from sheep's wool, so technically you're fine.
2: Uh, don't tell a vegan that. The, I won't. The wool industry is very. Uh, oh, I see. Hotly gotcha. debated. Got it.
0: Uh, you got anything else? No. If you want to know more about makeup, go type that in the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And since I said search bar, it's time for listener mail.
2: Uh, this one uh, I'm going to call Using Us to Teach English in China. Oh, I like this one. And we're even going to play a little bit of this because it's Sweet. so awesome. Hey guys, I've been listening to uh, Stuff You Should Know for several years now. I used to listen to them every night before bed. Uh, it's very relaxing. And in recent months, I've been playing them for educational purposes. I teach at an international school in Shanghai, China. And your podcasts have helped me to teach English to my high school students. Uh, recently, we had an assignment where the students had to create their own Stuff You Should Know podcast. And many of them love the project so much, they did an excellent job. Uh, Feel free to listen to some of these. Uh, You have inspired my Chinese students not only to listen to the show, but also to speak more English inside and outside the classroom. I'm so impressed with their language improvement. Thank you for that, and thank you for making my job so enjoyable and rewarding. That is so awesome. Uh, Warmest regards, that's from Jason. And Let's play a little snippet of uh, these Chinese students doing stuff you should know.
0: This episode
1: is brought to you by only 16 RMB for two big fried chicken wings, Ken Grandpa Chicken. Welcome to the Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. Cynthia and Mona here, a couple of stuff writers at HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, how is your winter holiday, Cynthia? My winter holiday, you know, because of the spring, spring festival, I'm wandering between different relatives for greeting. That's really boring, boring, and boring. And the most serious problem is once the holidays end, my weight must add about 1.5 kilograms. But I know you went wrong with your father, right? Don't worry about that too much.
2: That is awesome.
0: Jason's doing God's work, yeah. a.k.a. using stuff you should know to teach things.
2: That is, it's just, it's cute, even though they're not little kids. Yeah. Uh, it's just cute to hear these these Chinese students, like, yeah. doing a stuff you should know. Yeah. I think it's awesome.
0: Yep. So, hello to uh, Jason's class. Hi, guys. Gals. Out there in Shanghai, you said, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, thanks for listening, and keep up the good work. Uh, and if you want to get in touch with us, you guys can uh, tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can join us on Facebook.com slash StuffYouShouldKnow. You can send us an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, StuffYouShouldKnow.com.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com.
0: For generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your
1: podcasts. That's That's right.
2: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
1: Gene! Gene Fodor. Gene was good.
2: But be careful, because the worst trips result when two
1: partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene.